Welcome to the Jack and John Podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. And to help us focus on Christ. Amen. I need it. You know, I, I, I'm glad you guys can't see the backstory, the behind the scenes, because we get so off the rails. Um, but it's a good thing because it helps us come back around and uh, sure. helps us focus. Absolutely. So Jack came up with a really good idea, I think, when he's looking at uh, the end of chapter four in Mark and the the whole thing with chapter five and that's Jesus establishing himself you know as being in control yeah yeah there are four stories there and it shows Jesus in conflict uh, with nature with demons with illness and with death on those four stories and I think those four stories uh, give people a choice in, in within within the story to choose fear or faith, either show fear in the disease, in the in nature, in death, in whatever, or you you show faith, and, and it's very very evident, especially in the one on the storm. Um, but we thought we might just kind of go through that and show how Jesus is in control and takes control and keeps yeah. control uh, through every situation that's going on. And by the way, it's getting pretty, pretty rambunctious, you know, when when in the middle of it. But we'll start with the storm, calming of the storm. And it was a fierce storm. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to read that little passage, Jack, if that's OK. Um, this is Mark chapter four, uh, verse thirty five to the end. Um, on that day, when evening had come, this is after he's told the parables. So it's on that same day. He said to them. Let's go across to the other side. Uh, And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, which I guess that'd be like tired. Tired, worn out. Wore out, you know, because he'd been speaking from the boat and other boats were there with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling but Jesus, tired and worn out, <laughs> was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. During a fierce storm. Right. <laughs> and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And, and they they, were, then they get more. Right. Go ahead. <laughs> and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Oh, these poor guys. It's, it's like um, without the spirit, I think they are struggling, struggling to grasp the concept of a suffering savior, of a powerful savior. And uh, just to the fact that they're with somebody, yeah, you know. Now, the, now, the, now Jack, you, you've been on the, the Sea of mm-hmm. Galilee or Lake Gennesaret, they call mm-hmm. it now. Um, it's not like a huge ocean or anything. No, it's a big lake. Right. It's basically a big lake. Now, I've been on some bigger lakes. Well, I've been on something bigger. Yeah. I'm telling you this story. When I was a senior in high school, I had a buddy named Larry Lupinetti. Larry Lupinetti was a singer, pretty good tenor, 
And we were in the madrigals together. We were in the high school choir. We were in all that kind of stuff. And Larry Lupinetti had a little, uh, little, little outboard motorboat. And uh, it was, there was a hurricane. I'm just ready for him to give me a limerick or something a, with a bunch of L words. There was a hurricane. Larry uh, Lupinetti on the Larry lake. Larry Lupinetti on the, the living lake. Yeah, sorry. And, so there's a uh, hurricane. So he <laughs> talks me into going out into the bay. Okay. You know, so we'll get, get on oh the boat my. and we'll go out. We'll take a ride in the bay and it'll be fun. And the bay, you know, in Clearwater, Florida, uh, would, you know, there's a break there of, of uh, sand, of, of sure. earth. And then you go under the bridge and you're in the bay and it's a lot calmer there. Well, you know what Larry did? No. He decided, well, this is fun, but we can have a lot more fun if we just go under the bridge and just go out on Clearwater Beach out, out in the Gulf. And it, there's, it was a hurricane. You understand hurricane? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I tell you today, I was about 18 years old and I can remember the feeling of fear thinking I was going to die. I literally thought I was going to drown. I have no idea how, how big the waves were, but that little boat was uh, literally perpendicular to the waves, straight up and down, go up and then cr come crashing down. Water was everywhere. He couldn't get the boat, that little motor, to go against the waves and the wind and everything. And I was sitting there going, Larry, you've killed me, man. You killed me. I said, I hope you're close to Jesus because, you know, and you better ask forgiveness because you're going to be responsible for my, oh, we were, it was just the scariest thing. And I was praying like I'd never prayed in my life. And somehow he got that boat back under that bridge and back into the bay and back on the trailer. And I went home and I never got in the boat with him again oh, or I his car not. or his Volkswagen or his trailer. <laughs> Now, fear when, of a storm. When you fear of a storm is great, but let let's imagine instead of being on the ocean or on the Gulf, Gulf, okay, you're just on this lake, right? See, I I've been on big lakes where you get a lot of crosswind because there's wide open space, okay, and you'll get six foot swells, and it can be really scary. But I think that this storm was more than these guys had experienced. And the reason I say that is because... They that, thought they were perishing. Yeah. That's the way it's, I felt. It's, they thought it, they were perishing. They're, it, imagine a hurricane almost on the yeah. lake. You think you're going to die. And I think the fear is because this wasn't just a normal storm. I think this was spiritual warfare. Sure. Okay. This was getting this was starting to happen. This is spiritual warfare because just like Jesus is being drawn out, he's being attacked by people in opposition to him. He's also being attacked here, I think, spiritually. It's interesting the ESV says that he rebuked the wind. Right. That's an interesting Right. He uh, rebuked choice. the wind. He rebuked the wind. Told the, the sea to be calm. But I think the interesting thing, John. Uh, is what he said, peace, be still. Uh, that's an amazing thing to have in the midst of a storm. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have a peace in the midst of the storm, when you can be still in the midst of everything falling all around you, uh, then that's true peace. Because this kind of peace is not an outside peace, like I'm at peace with all of you, I'm not afraid of you, you're not going to hurt me right now. We're at peace. 
But to be at peace inside myself, that's a whole different thing, a whole new thing. This is to have total peace, that peace be still. And the interesting thing is that he didn't rebuke the disciples. He questioned them. Do you still have no faith? He didn't rebuke them, but he did mm -hmm. have a little bit of a rebuke, maybe. Or there's still, you still have no faith? And they said, who is this that even the wind and the waves right. obey him? And they were in great fear of that. So they were, they were young ones, young disciples growing, you know, and, and who is Jesus? I think part of what drives that fear is um, you got to realize, you know, when Jesus is sound asleep in the boat, what we know today because of this story and because of all the other experience and, and our time in the word and knowing him is he's in control. When he's asleep. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, we, we've talked about it before. I don't, I don't really think the disciples meant for Jesus to like do something miraculous per se. I think when they said, don't you care that we're perishing? It's because he was in the stern. He's, he's the guy that should be commanding the rudder. <laughs> John, you know? when I was a uh, young, young and, uh, uh, even more foolish than I am now, I, I used to say something and I, I said in jest, kind of to be funny a little bit, but uh, someone would, would express a fear about taking an airplane flight or, or, you know, getting in the car and, and going, you know, across town in traffic or something like that. And I would always say this, this was my joke. I would say, well, just get in with me because we know that the the car is not going to wreck with me in it because God's not finished with me yet. He's going to use me. So just get close to me. And that was a total joke. And I was foolish. I know saying it. But it, what's it really true, <laughs> Yeah. What's really true is, why are you afraid? Look who's in the boat with you. Right. I mean, do you think that the boat's going to go down? Right. I don't know. It seems to me like sometimes we don't look to who's with us, who's in the boat with us who's walking with us. And so our fear takes over and uh, he, he just wants them to have some faith. Maybe he, he, he was controlling the sea. He was controlling the wind. He was controlling the storm and he was using that to try to teach them to put more faith in him. Yeah. So the storm stops, everything's calm, you know, and then they came to the other side of the sea. I think they were pushed off course a yeah, little bit. Probably so. Because they're over in probably the Gezer, so. Ger Gerasenes and they're in Decapolis. Yeah. They're, they're kind of over this area. And that's an area where it's predominantly Gentiles. Yes. Okay. It is Gentiles. Right. So when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of God, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Jesus was saying to him, 
Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Um, <laughs> I mean, we haven't even read the whole piece yet. And it, I, what a story. Well, if you're afraid of a storm, right? And you're still afraid of Jesus because he can calm waves, right? And now you get a demoniac, a demon-filled guy coming, running naked, uh, all scarred up and bleeding. And, and, oh, for heaven's sakes, now I'm really, really scared. So these disciples had to have been just standing there in total fear. And it, it doesn't say, oh, they happened upon this guy. Oh, you know? no, he saw them. Yeah. It says immediately yeah. when he got out of the boat. Um, and it talks about him being afar, and the guy comes running toward them. So uh, the demon recognizes that Jesus is the Son of the Most High God. Let me let me just say that um, I've had some uh, some personal experience with people. Um, one one young man uh, one day came forward, and he claimed to be a warlock, male mm-hmm. witch, and um, uh, other things like that. And I think that people can be affected by the devil in, in various ways, different degrees. Uh, this man was fully given over, I think, to the control so that when he was speaking to Jesus, Jesus was speaking to the demon. Right. Because the man, you know, was totally under the control of Satan. Yeah. So when he says the next little phrase here, um, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, they, now talking about the demons, uh, begged him saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000. That's a lot of bacon. Rushed down the steep bank and into the sea and drowned in the sea. So that's also a lot of demons. <laughs> I can't imagine this. That's um, a, that is a lot of demons. <laughs> you know? You know? Um, and they run down into the sea. So then the herdsmen... The herdsmen fled, I think I would too, (laughs) and told it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. This is yeah, very, there, there's that fear. Right. This is very reminiscent of what we just experienced with the storm. Okay, the storm's calm. Why? Because Jesus says, peace, be still. He basically says the same thing to this man, yeah. except that he's rebuking the demons. Okay, it's like rebuking the storm. He's rebuking the spiritual storm in this man. Um, the demons flee from him, run into the pigs. The pigs drown. And now these people see this man sitting there in his right mind, and they were afraid. Yeah, That's astounding. John, can I back up yeah, just absolutely. a minute and, and just uh, share something here? Uh, if you look at some of the characteristics of this demoniac, uh, I believe that you can see some characteristics of sin. What sin does is what these demons did to this 
man. And let me, let me explain what I mean by that. What was the first thing that you see about him? He was among the tombs. He was among death. Right. He was among dead people. He wasn't with the living. He was with the dead. And if you have an addiction to a sin, any sin or sin itself, it, it, it's death. Sin brings death. It does not bring life right. and it does not bring light. And so that's going to characterize your life. Also, uh, he was isolated. He had, everybody had pulled away from him. How many times do people who get really connected to a sin and cannot uh, rid themselves of it because they don't know how um, are isolated? People are divorced. Uh, children leave parents. Parents won't let children come into their home. Uh, people become homeless. Uh, any number of things cause cause isolation with people who want to hold on to their sin. Uh, the other thing is he had supernatural strength for some reason. That was that was some kind of strength. I guess with 2,000 demons in you, he had some strength there. But there was a sense of torment. He was tormented. And a sin will torment you. He immediately recognized the authority of Jesus. You see that here. And I believe that if you can ever get someone who is deep in sin connected or confronted by the authority of Jesus Christ, the power of the Spirit and the power of the Word of God, that that is how sin can be destroyed. When the lame man was brought before him through the roof and he said, your sins are forgiven. What a wonderful thing he did. People may not understand how huge that is. I would rather be freed from my sin than from my lameness. Much bigger thing. And then he had multiple personality traits and he was very destructive. And if you notice people that get into sin, they stop caring. And Jesus is the one who has the control and is not afraid and has the power to, to change this man immediately to a man that's sitting there. I picture him with his legs crossed, you know, and smiling and his hair combed and he's dressed and he's just confidently sharing a little little conversation. I picture him looking exhausted. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I mean he, 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 I'm sure eventually he would have that look, but initially... Well, maybe he had his legs crossed, he yeah. was smiling, exhausted. <laughs> the, the thing that makes me think of today, because, you know, in our culture, um, there's so much denial um, about the supernatural. Mm -hmm. There's so much denial about spirituality, and we... we tend to live from a naturalistic philosophy, okay? Meaning that everything can be explained by natural laws, okay? So I, I think that the devil doesn't have to work in the same kind of way in this culture. Um, he's a little more sophisticated, sure. Sure. a little more shrouded. And the thing I would compare this possession to is, is addiction, just like you said. Right. But there are some addictions... They have more power over you than others, right. and it's because of what you're addicted right. to. Right. Um, you know, we, we talked about Justin White and his story um, it, when we interviewed him. And again, I encourage people to listen to that episode. But I was reading a story just this morning about a young woman who very much reminds me of this demon-possessed man. And it's one of these classic things where it shows the before and after picture. 
And the before picture looks kind of like a mugshot, and she just looks like she's completely washed out. Um, hair is just a, a rat's nest, and her her face looks gaunt and pale. Um, her eyes are not even fully opened. She just looks like death. Okay, and then the follow-up picture is this beautiful woman you wouldn't even recognize as the same person, and she's holding her her child. Um, but when she's talking about the person that she was when she was possessed by the drugs, basically, okay, when she's talking about the person that she was, she talks about asking God to kill her. Wow. Because she was so desperate to get relief, to, to get relief, yeah. and she thought there were no more dreams, there was no more hope. She was ready to hang it all up. She just wanted to die and get it over with. And that's what I picture when this man is among the tombs, and it talks about how you know in the towns they'd bound him with chains, they'd done all these things to try and control him. He hated himself to the point that he cutting is with the tomb. Himself. He's cutting himself. Why is he cutting himself? He wants to die. The demons won't let him kill himself. They need him. I mean, he's got all this super strength. Yeah, he could kill himself. But who's cutting him isn't the demons. That's himself. Because if they want right. to use their strength to destroy him, he'd have been gone. He'd have been destroyed. No, they're using him just like the drugs are using that person. Um, and so for this guy, you know, it's like part of me is like, were the demons running to him? Was he running to him, to Jesus? Well, the demons, I believe, was the one that confessed. They, they're the ones the confessing God. him as, mm -hmm. as God. Yes. Yes. And they're not thinking about the guy that's inside. But Jesus is. Jesus is thinking about that guy that's inside. Absolutely. And that guy, just like the story you were talking about, your friend. Okay, and, and friend, hey, I don't know your name because Jack's protecting you. But if you're listening to this episode, this guy is possessed by so much evil. He's not even thinking at all, let alone thinking, you know, I'm not worthy to be saved. But guess what? Jesus is thinking this guy is worthy to be saved. I don't care how much evil is in your life. I don't care how much evil is possessing you. Jesus doesn't see all that. I believe that Jesus is the type of father who is there for the child who needs him the most. Absolutely. And if you need him the most, then he's there. He's there. He's there. He just, he's come. He's come. So we need to certainly turn to him. He's looking past he's, all of your demons. Yeah, that's right. He's looking past all of your demons. So I'm just going to finish this, this, this little bit here. So um, it talks about that they were afraid and those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. <laughs> As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And, and he, and Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. And that was Gentiles. Right. Jesus was opening up 
the truth and the gospel and grace to the Gentiles, to all people, whosoever will, may come, even a demon. Or a demon possessed. That's right. The demon doesn't have a Not chance. A demon, the demon He's already possessed. condemned. Sorry. But the demon-possessed man, so yeah, it doesn't matter what our demons are. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus can see us underneath all of it. That's amazing. amazing. We, we serve a beautiful Savior. Amen. We truly do. Amen. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that's all we got for you this time. Um, another beautiful story from our action-adventure series here <laughs> with uh, the Gospel of Mark. Thank you so much for listening. Um, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, feel free to share us with a friend. If you know somebody that needs to hear that story, please share it with them. Everyone needs to hear about Jesus and what he can do for us um, and what he can do despite us. Okay? Amen. Thanks for joining us. Amen.